Welcome to the awesome pod makes you are listening to Abby. The idea behind this podcast was to talk about how certain movies and TV shows made me feel when I watched them for the very first time. A reputed filmmaker once said, "When a piece of art invokes a similar feeling amidst a large audience, it's the triumph of the filmmaker. That's the magic of cinema. I love the magic of cinema." Today I'll be talking about Marvel Studios' What If Season 2 Episode 2. To quote Guillermo del Toro, Animation is cinema. This episode's title is What If Peter Quill Attacked Earth's Mightiest Heroes. The episode is written by Matthew Chauncey and directed by Brian Andrews. The episode begins with a meteor-like ball of light heading toward Earth. We hear Peggy's voice inquiring if the commander has eyes on the target. She continues to say that they can't allow the ball of light to enter US airspace. They hit the target and it goes down. Peggy questions, "Where?" We see a jazz club signboard. The text appears, "New York 1988." The song "Out of Control" by Love Affair plays. We now realize it's not a ball of light. Actually, it's Ego's spaceship from Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. It crashes at the exact same spot where the Avengers assembled in 2012. The cops arrive at the scene and draw their guns. As the door opens there's a blinding light. Through the light emerges a young Peter Quill with glowing eyes. He's sporting the same clothes from the time he was abducted. Cop says, "What the? Is that a kid?" The watcher says, "Not just any kid but Peter Quill, a son of Earth and the stars, whose pain and loss now threatens to destroy the very world he once called home and the entire universe with it." We flash back to 6 months earlier. The ravagers were dispatched to abduct a young Peter Quill. In this universe, Yondu never had a change of heart and turned young Peter over to his celestial father Ego. The first thing Ego does is crush Peter's Walkman, severing his ties to his mother. He hands over a ball of light and explains his plans of expansion. Back at Earth, Peggy is stationed at Shield's Western Division headquarters. She explains how young Peter has destroyed dozens of nearby solar systems. Howard Stark says, "And I thought my kid was a pain in the ass." Peggy defends Tony, saying, "Tony has spunk." Howard doesn't think any one person can stop this kid. Peggy believes not one person alone, but a team. They need to team up with the best the Earth has to offer. Howard asks, "Okay, who's on our roster?" Cut to a close-up of a cereal bowl being placed on the dining table. Young Hope says, "There's no vegetable." Hank says, "The potato chips are the vegetable." Exactly. What kind of kid doesn't like potato chips and wants vegetables instead? Answer: A kid with healthy eating habits, unlike me. Hank face palms. The phone rings. It's Howard on the line requesting Hank not to hang up. You can already hear the TV news in the background. The phone rings again. Hank says, "You know for a genius Stark, you're pretty slow on the take." Howard says, "If you don't want to talk, that's fine. Just turn on the TV." Young Hope is watching the news about the New York incident. She urges Hank to see the news. Hank agrees with Howard and asks him to send the plane. Howard being Howard is way ahead of him. The house shakes. Hank invites a young hope to come along with him. 
When I saw a young hope with the Walkman, I knew she would be instrumental in reminding Peter of his roots and his mother. She even helps in repairing the severed connection. Hank meets Bill Foster dressed in his giant man outfit. Peggy stops Bill and Hank squabble. Hope is in order to see King Tachaka. Peggy informs them that he is the king of Wakanda. Howard introduces himself to King Tachaka. He mentions that his father was their ally during the war. King Tachaka remembers that his father Azuri even donated some vibranium to their efforts. So the mystery of where did the vibranium for Cap's shield came from is now resolved. Howard clarifies, we made a shield out of it and lost it in the Arctic. But other than that, things turned out pretty well. Gorbachev sends in the Winter Soldier to join their fight. Peggy reacts looking at the Winter Soldier. Peggy says, It looks just like him, Howard, just like Bucky. Howard has heard the rumours but believes the man they knew is long gone. Peggy informs that Peter is on the move to Coney Island. The team worries about how they're going to make it in time. We are introduced to Wendy Lawson sporting her Kree Star Force uniform with her lightspeed jet. Earth's mightiest heroes arrive at Coney Island, Brooklyn. T'Chaka thinks that the kid is not that threatening. Bill Foster says, You'd think that the leader of a technological superpower that masquerades as a third world country would appreciate that. So S.H.I.E.L.D. is aware that Wakanda pretends to be a third world country. Young Peter summons a raccoon plushie and destroys the rest. In every universe, Peter needs his raccoon by his side. Wendy goes to secure Ego's spaceship. Bill Foster secures the perimeter of Coney Island. Hank taunts Bill over his size. He thought Bill maxed out at 21 feet. Bill's defense is he made adjustments because it's the end of the world. Bill says, go big or go home. Literally. T'Chaka checks if they are done measuring statues, he's got eyes on the kid. It's also a reference to Scott Lang and Bill Foster's measuring statues in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Young Peter is just doing kid things. Plushies, joy rides, cotton candy at Coney Island. Hank manages to scare Peter with ants and bees. Ant-Man's ants can not only defeat Kang but also a celestial kid. They get him to the photon grid and the laser beheads the raccoon plushie. Peter loses control and blasts everything away. No one is able to contain the kid. Bucky is about to take a shot at Peter from the lightspeed jet. Wendy informs if the cube in the jet explodes, there won't be a planet left to save. Peter blasts Ego's spaceship, but Wendy manages to escape. Wendy's uniform catches fire. The moment Bill rushes to save Wendy, the Avengers theme music plays. T'Chaka asks, does anyone have a plan? Hank says, I have a plan, retreat. It reminds me of the 2012 Avengers scene in the plane where Steve tells Tony, Stark, we need a plan of attack. Tony responds, I have a plan, attack. The heroes try to escape but Peter holds their jet in mid-air. On cue, Thor arrives and strikes Peter with lightning. Bill questions, who's that guy? Peter Quill refers to Thor as the dude from Van Halen. Thor refers to himself as Peter's doom. S.H.I.E.L.D. locks Peter in the same circular glass cage they locked Loki in the Avengers. 
Thor reveals that Jotunheim fell then Asgard and then the armies of the Nine Realms. Thor has already retrieved the seed from Missouri. These seedlings are the fuse that need to be lit by the child for ego's expansion. Howard suggests they shove this thing down the garbage disposal. That's what Tony said to Strange regarding the Time Stone in Avengers Infinity War. Why don't we just stick this one down the garbage disposal? Thor informs that only a being of celestial origin can penetrate through the veil of cosmic energy. Hank thinks they are lucky because they have one in custody. Cut to a young Hope grooves to the song Never Surrender by Corey Hart as she swipes Hank's keycard around the facility. Hope spots Peter in the cage and turns to him. She removes the headphones for Peter to listen to the song and join her. But he doesn't. Peter admits that it's a cool song and one of his mom's favourites. Hope and Peter bond over their grief, the music and the Walkman. Peter reveals he's not an alien but from misery. All he wants is to get home. There's a security breach in the detainment facility. Hank realises he's missing Pimp Particles, Hope and his keycard. Hope shrinks Peter in the cage and rescues him. Hope has figured out the bus stop Peter can take to go to Misery. She offers him her Walkman because it's a long ride to Misery. And Janet would be glad Hope shared it with a friend. Hank finds Hope and is concerned if Peter hurt her. Hope's response is, Peter is a kid just like me. She was trying to help him get home to Misery. Hope cautions the adults that they are making a mistake. Peter is not behind all this. It's his dad. He's like a weird alien space god. Howard quips, Yeah, great, blame the absentee father. I get that enough from my own son. I like that Howard acknowledges that he's been an absentee father, but he does nothing to improve upon himself. Thor gets impatient thinking that it's taking too long. Howard reminds him that there is a team. Howard refers to Thor as the lightning boy and Thor refers to Howard as mustache man. Just like Tony refers to Thor as point break at one point in time in the Avengers. Bill needs to study the child, Bucky wants to kill it. Hope reminds everyone that they are here to do the right thing and Peter deserves their help. Hope is ready to spill the beans on the promise that Hank will help Peter. In the bus, Peter listens to the same song from before and ignores Ego when he tries to get in touch with him. The seedling pulsates and Thor informs that the master must be near. According to Tachaka, as per a Wakandan proverb, one only wins a two-front war by getting out of your enemy's way. Thor asks, meaning? Howard explains, if you can't fight them both, let them fight each other. Ego wants his seedling which the Earth's mightiest heroes refuse to return. Thor says, not as long as there's breath in my body, which is a reference to Thor's line from Avengers Age of Ultron. As long as there's life in my breast, I'm running out of things to say. Ego attacks Earth's mightiest heroes. The team can't hold up against Ego and Peggy informs Howard they'll need the seedling. Howard contacts the Winter Soldier but there's no answer. Bucky's aiming to shoot Peter Quill who's at his mother's grave. Hank explains to Wendy that they need to speak to Peter if they want him to help them. Peter thought if he came home, he wouldn't feel so alone. But without his mom, it doesn't even feel like home anymore. Hank expands on the grief that Hope and Hank share of losing Janet. Hank says, 
the pain, the anger, the loneliness. It cuts to the shot of Thor over the mention of pain as he has lost his family. It cuts to the shot of T'Chaka over the mention of anger because despite being a technologically advanced nation, they have to pretend to be a third world country. It cuts to a shot of Bill over the mention of loneliness. Han continues, I know you can feel like you are drowning in it, but you don't have to do it alone. So as long as you let people around you pull you out. This line is also reminiscent of Agatha telling Wanda, What happened when he wasn't there to pull you out of the darkness, Wanda? Howard tries to talk Bucky down from shooting Peter by reminding him he has a life and a future which Steve would have wanted for him. Hank invites Peter to come with him and join his family. Peter hugs Hank. It makes Bucky not want to take the shot. Maybe Bucky wants a hug too. Ego retrieves the seedling. At this moment, the heroes are at their lowest point. Right on cue, Wendy arrives with Hank and Peter. Hank jumps off the jet with Peter. Peter manages to grab the seedling. Peter pleads with Ego, saying, This is my home, Dad. This is my mom's home. And I can't just let you destroy it. Ego is only concerned with his expansion plans and that's the reason he killed Peter's mom. No matter what universe, Peter will always destroy his father, Ego, once he learns that Ego killed his mom. Ego always knew Peter will be a disappointment because he's half human. Peter says, Actually, old man, my mom says I'm a Star Lord. Peter Quill destroys Ego. So Peter is a celestial destroyer. So in our 616 universe, the seedling in misery can be used as a fuse to light Peter Quill's celestial powers. Whoa! Hank is concerned about Peter's well-being. He hugs him. I think this is the first time we are seeing a caring version of adult Hank. Hank has been mostly distant with hope. I mean an older version of Hank cares about Cassie. The heroes gather at Hank's house. They enjoy some light beers. Thor likes it and wants another. That's a reference from the first Thor movie where Thor enjoys coffee and other alcoholic beverages. It's a good thing he didn't smash the beer bottle. Wendy introduces Goose the Flurkin to Hope and Peter. Thor wants Ego's planet destroyed as well. Hank reminds him they are a team. Thor wants the team to suit up. Bucky is absconding. Alan Silvestri's Avengers theme music plays. And this is an Avengers Assemble moment of Earth's mightiest heroes in 1988. Someone at Marvel Studios needs to give Matthew Chauncey a chance to write an Avengers film. He's a brilliant writer. He's written such an engaging 30-minute episode. Imagine what he'll do with a three-hour film. This was a great episode and one of my favorites from this season. I don't think any episode can top this one. You can listen to the awesome pod mix and subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts and Good Pods. If you like what I'm doing, you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash awesome pod mix. Thanks for listening.